Welcome to Animals in Europe, a podcast presented by Eurogroup for Animals, the animal advocacy organization uniting members across Europe and beyond. Join us as we discuss current affairs affecting animals along with expert special guests. My name is Reineke Hameleers and I'm the CEO of Eurogroup for Animals. Today we are excited to discuss the freshly launched European Citizens Initiative called Safe Cruelty-Free Cosmetics. And this ECI aims to protect and strengthen the cosmetics animal testing ban by transforming the EU chemicals regulation. And why is this important? Because this chemicals legislation is driving new tests on animals, even for ingredients exclusively used in cosmetics and that have long been proved safe for use. Importantly, this ECI aims to take a further step by calling for a concrete plan to transition to non-animal science in Europe. And to learn more, I'm talking to Julia Fentern, who has led Unilever's non-animal science work for more than 20 years. And Unilever, along with other major brands, such as The Body Shop and numerous NGOs, are driving this ECI to achieve change for animals used in science. And Julia has a clear message for the European Commission. They do think that the Commission needs to be able to demonstrate to EU citizens how killing hundreds of thousands more animals to test cosmetics ingredients would actually afford any better protection of workers or our environment. And, and actually explain why they don't think that we should be using the modern non-animal safety science that we've got. Hello, Julia. How are you today? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. It's great to have you uh, for today's special podcast uh, edition about such an important um, new European Citizens Initiative. But before we get to talk about that, can you tell us a bit about your work at at Unilever and about yourself, of course? Certainly. Uh, So I'm head of Unilever's um, global team of safety and environmental scientists. I've been in the job for almost 15 years. I joined Unilever in 1998, uh, having worked in Italy for the European Commission uh, at the European Centre for the Validation of Alternative Methods, uh, and prior to that for an animal protection charity in the UK, a fund for the replacement of animals in medical experiments. Um, It's my privilege to lead a really fantastic team of safety and sustainability scientists and to work with some exceptional partners across the world. And it is my dream job. I get to combine protecting people and our planet by making sure that products and ingredients are safe to use and make with protecting animals by making sure that we do safety assessments without animal testing. I'm a a biochemical toxicologist uh, by education and training. I've got a PhD from the University of Nottingham Medical School way back in 1991. And since then, I've worked to develop and evaluate and use alternatives to animal testing for 30 years now. um, I've led some of the early validation studies uh, on the in vitro methods uh, for skin corrosion and skin irritation and was active in getting those into the OECD test guidelines. Uh, That was probably about 20 years ago. And then in Unilever, uh, since about 2004, when we published a new paradigm uh, for assessing the safety of consumer products without animal testing. 
Um, that's my passion. That's what drives me, motivates me every day. Um, and when I was studying for my master's degree in toxicology, I always believed that there had to be a better and more scientific way to protect people and our planet than conducting animal tests. And there is, and we now have a new scientific toolbox uh, and we're starting to publish case studies on how, how those non-animal tools can be, can be used to generate data for product safety assessments. Wow, that's uh, fascinating. And um, that also brings us to the fact that Unilever is supporting the new European Citizens Initiative, Safe Quality Free Cosmetics. Um, can you explain uh, a bit more about why we started this ECI and why it is so important and what we hope to achieve? Well, certainly um, an ECI was uh, something quite new to me uh, when we just start, started some discussions um, with some of the animal protection NGOs probably about nine months ago. Um, so I was obviously a bit out of the loop on that one. Um, but it they give EU citizens a voice in um, shaping policies that affect their lives and are a unique way to um, call on the European Commission to pro propose new laws. And this whole thing of the once the initiative has reached um, one million valid um, signatures that the Commission then have to discuss and decide on what action um, they will take. So I had a look, I did a bit of research and found out that I think there's been about 100 ECIs, of which six have been successful in requiring commission action. And interestingly, of course, one of those is the end the, ca end the cage age for farm animal welfare. And then there's one on, on banning um, glyphosates. So um, a good learning experience for me. I'm very much hoping that the Safe Cruelty Free Cosmetics um, Commit to a Europe Without Animal Testing ECI will also be successful. And that's where we're looking really for everyone's support uh, and for people to join with us uh, to take action in, in signing the initiative. And it's quite a broad uh, ranging initiative. So whilst we're leading on cosmetics testing and, and trying to protect the cosmetics testing ban, um, there are three things really within the ECI um, and the other two are about transforming EU chemicals regulation. So ensuring that human health and the environment are protected by managing chemicals without the addition of new animal testing requirements. And then a very broad ranging um, uh, activity around modernizing science in the EU. So asking that the Commission commits to a legislative proposal, um, plotting a roadmap for phasing out animal testing in the EU. Um, and that one, I think, is, is where the NGOs are particularly active um, at the moment. Yeah. And Julia, you know, the title of this ECI, Safe Quality Free Cosmetics, may surprise people because many thought that cosmetics in Europe are already cruelty-free after the ban on um, animal tests for cosmetics in 2009. So why is this ban, after more than 10 years, under threat, um, after what seemed to be a very clear-cut decision? So the ban's under threat really due to requests from the European Chemicals Agency uh, for animal ECA, tests. we on... call that, that was an abbreviation, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. ECA. Yeah. ECA. And um, uh, for animal tests on about 150 ingredients that are 
used in a wide range of consumer products. Um, and those ingredients have been manufactured uh, safely for many years. Um, and it also now turns out from an analysis that was published last month that 63 ingredients used only in cosmetics have been tested in animals to comply with REACH since 2009. So since that uh, testing ban um, from a cosmetics point of view. And most of these tests, um, some of them for eye and skin irritation, can't be justified. There have been scientifically valid non-animal alternatives available for 15 to 20 years now. Uh, and that's also true if you look at the 2018 EU animal use statistics that were released by the Commission in, in July this year. And why is this still happening then, Julia? Because this seems against the law. Yeah, I think, you know, by law, everyone's supposed to be working to the principle of animal testing as a last resort. Uh, and there are those bans in, in place, but it's clearly that uh, that's not being implemented as the uh, European Parliament and EU citizens intended. And if you look across um, even the data that we have, there's probably only 70 to 80% of the registrants are actually complying um, with the um, mandate to use um, alternative methods where they, where they exist. So I think... Um, you know, we're in a situation now where it's about trust. We, we trusted that there was a, a cosmetics testing ban that was actually a ban. Um, but the issue really there is the cosmetics regulation covers consumer safety, whereas the REACH legislation covers worker safety and the environment. And those two pieces of legislation um, are, are inconsistent and not aligned. So they are really clashing. Um, but this ECI is looking at more than um, this loophole uh, um, because um, the EU is also uh, working on a new EU chemical strategy for sustainability. And could this new strategy mean that more animals will be used for, for product safety testing, you think? I mean, firstly, I'd probably just like to say that I think the aims and ambitions of the chemical strategy for sustainability are just what we need in the, in, in the EU. And I think safety is paramount and, and non-negotiable. Uh, we do need greater protection of people and our environment from chemical exposures. But we need to recognise, I think, that there are several different ways to actually achieve that. And as it stands, I think you're right, it's very likely that millions of animals will be used uh, often without adequate justification for testing chemicals, not so much for product or consumer safety, since that is covered at the moment by other legislation, but certainly for classification and labelling of chemicals, uh, for hazard identification for, for workers and, and the environment. And so we've still got this um, uh, perspective um, that having lots of animal data on chemicals seems to be uh, the, the best approach, certainly the approach preferred by regulators. But I would say that how that really protects human health and our environment is not um, transparent and, and not particularly based on the best science and the best tools that we've now got available. I think, you know, for me, it's a major concern that we're not actually using the best knowledge, the best tools at our disposal to make what are critical public health decisions. I mean, I would say since since 1988, when I was studying toxicology, I've always been on the, um, we must be able to do something scientifically better uh, than animal tests 
Uh, and I don't see this as being more animal testing is equivalent to safer chemicals. I think actually for me, it's non-animal safety science is going to give us safer chemicals. And can you explain a bit more about that? Why are non-animal safety models uh, better in terms of also predicting uh, certain, certain hazards and risks? So I think the advances that have been made, um, they give us much more relevant data, um, much often more human relevant if we're interested in human health protection. Um, and if we're interested in fish in the environment, then obviously we can use um, in vitro methods uh, using fish cells and the like. Um, and it gives us information at a much more detailed biological and chemical level and understanding than what are essentially black boxes in terms of animal tests. Also, much faster, um, not necessarily less expensive, but much faster. And that's going to be quite important when we think about the numbers of chemicals uh, that we might have to generate data on and thinking about mixtures as well, which comes under the uh, chemical strategy for sustainability. I mean, the safety of mixtures is an important area, but we must certainly be using non-animal approaches for assessing mixtures. Otherwise, the, the millions of animals that were required will be, will be a really, really big number. Um, so I, I think that's it's the science and the gap that's opening up between the safety science and the tools that we have, which are non-animal based, versus essentially the regulatory requests, which are still very much um, animal test based. And, and closing that gap um, and closing the difference between essentially cosmetics uh, regulations and in other areas like, for example, the food safety regulations, uh, with the reach and chemicals legislation and, and then just remembering that we all should be working to the animal protection directive from 2010 which you know there's a legal responsibility on all of us to make sure that any animal testing is is definitely a last resort absolutely and julia how come that the uh, chemicals regulators uh, seem to prefer the animal model over the non-animal safety models I think some of that's about tradition, um, probably also a bit about um, understanding and having the capability to be able to interpret the data uh, in the context of human health and, and the environment. I think we've moved ahead with some of the scientific research uh, and some of the leading edge work, for example, has been done in the US by the Environmental Protection Agency. And what we haven't done is stopped and thought how we're going to upskill um, people who have got you know, responsibilities uh, within, for example, the regulatory community or actually also in, in companies. Um, and that's a big need that uh, we're trying to fill, certainly in the cosmetic space, under an activity uh, led by Humane Society International called the AFSA, the Animal Free Safety Assessment Collaboration. And we've now got some uh, training materials um, that we will be looking to roll out in the next um, few months, which should hopefully underpin then uh, the move of, of many to try to get the uh, cosmetics testing ban uh, to go global. Uh, but I think we need to put that capability and, and the science um, understanding in place uh, before we actually move to, um, to replace the tools that are, are being used at the moment. And would it also be something for the European Commission 
um, to do to really promote also the non-animal uh, uh, models we are accepting in the EU abroad. Because I've also read in a recent article um, that uh, some other parts of the world are simply not accepting uh, non-animal uh, models. And this is also the reason why the chemicals regulators may be a bit more conservative. That's... Um possibly true um depends on which sort of countries now that you look at there's been quite a lot of focus on china um and you know for the last 11 years or so unilever and some of the other big companies have been helping to um build the capability in the chinese um, scientists and, and regulatory teams and then that's been helped by um the trade associations um engaging and some governments, but not really the EU. I must admit, much of the work there has been done through an inter intergovernmental activity between the UK um, and China. Now, that's changed the regulations now in, in China. Um, so in May this year, so May 2021, the Ch Chinese government implemented the new cosmetic safety regulations, which allow for uh, non-animal product safety assessments uh, rather than the product testing um, and I think that's a good model, thinking about the fact that we had collaboration, we had training as part and parcel of the uh, broader um, science and regulatory activities in an integrated type of approach. And Julia, this ECI is about more than just uh, cosmetics uh, and chemicals. Um, it's also about uh, driving a wider move towards animal-free science uh, in Europe. Um, why is this an important call for the ECI to include? I think the whole thing around um, modernising um, science in the EU um, and committing to a, a proposal to develop a, a roadmap for phase out um, is something where, again, um, it's really about leveraging the return on investment in all of the uh, research that has been going on where we now have many non-animal models and the big challenge is really the actual use and application of the outputs of the research uh, and i think that's what i'd like to start to see in some sort of uh, phase out uh, with some targets probably and, and some associated um, investment and some of it's probably about a change in mindset um, I, think, I see very much, for example, in the regulatory area, that the mindset seems to be that if the animal testing is required by a regulation, then that's sufficient justification. I don't actually feel that um, we're in that space now. I think science has moved on so much, new technologies, um, computational modeling of um, biology and chemical interactions with biology that we really just have to stop and pause and really rethink what it is that we're trying to do, uh, the suitability of some of the animal models that we've got, and can we not do that work differently? Um, rather than just copying what others have done, sometimes maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And I, I'm always reminded um, that in 1959, Russell and Birch uh, talked about the um, the modelling and the high fidelity fallacy. Um, and that's where we sometimes are, you know, for practical reasons, animal models are used, um, where actually, if we could just take a few steps back now, we'd go, the data that we need to generate, the decisions that we need to make, the uh, biology we need to understand, 
could be done with a different set of, of models and, and tools. And so I'd like to see that brought forward in, 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 in a phase out roadmap uh, with some focus on some key areas just to challenge ourselves in terms of trying to do things differently. Yeah, because, you know, some people wonder, we have this animal experimentation directive, which clearly states that we want to replace uh, animal research in the EU. But the latest uh, statistical reports don't show a significant decrease. Um, So how come do you think that this progress is so slow and what role could the EU take uh, to speed that up? I think um, it's not always about um, investing in more research, but it is probably about having um, some targets. And I'd probably liken it to the area I know best. Um, If you think about the chemicals testing area, um, you know, the way out of the situation we've been in and the over-reliance on um, animal studies was kicked off by the US, the um, National Research Council um, commissioned an expert report, toxicity testing in the 21st century in, in 2007. And on the back of that in the US, there was a clear um, strategic roadmap and targets um, that were put in place. And then the US EPA as the regulator actually picked those up. And now we actually have uh, a target date of 2035 for the phase out of, of mammalian studies for chemicals assessment and an interim target for 30% reduction by 2025. And I think it's that and the investment that then goes with it, but also it, it, it sort of gives the scientists and the regulators something to aim for. Um, and, and it's that challenge, that intellectual challenge, that scientific challenge of knowing that you're, you know, you're moving towards trying to achieve something that I think drives a bit of a change in mindset. Yeah, absolutely. People need to have, you know, some clarity also on where we want to go and how we are going to uh, achieve that. So in this respect, Julia, is the US ahead of the EU in terms of the, the chemicals legislation? And, and, and the replacement of animal models? It is considerably. The leadership comes from um, the US EPA, where they've brought together um, computational toxicology and exposure science. And actually, um, Unilever has worked with the US EPA f- since 2015 under a collaborative research and development agreement. And the work then, which we hear about on novel approach methodologies, where uh, ECVAM uh, within the um, European Commission's Joint Research Centre is also active. That is the seminal work that will really change the way we think about doing chemical safety assessments in the future. And there's a clear so-called NAMS roadmap that's there on the US EPA's website. And the US EPA is engaging with ECHA and Health Canada and with the uh, Japanese um, and other Um, uh, countries, um, chemicals regulators, to try to um, build case studies and understanding and transfer some of that knowledge. And I think there's now an initiative under the OECD in their um, hazards assessment program, uh, which is at the moment a a collaboration of the various regulatory communities uh, to try to think about how then the NAMs, the novel approach methodologies, generate data that fits back with the information requests in the chemicals regulations. And that's where the EU is lagging. 
because we have constrained ourselves with checklist requirements under REACH. Whereas you see the US EPA, where they're looking at the dossiers on specific ingredients. And there's some, been some great presentations over the last few weeks at the 11th World Congress uh, on this, where even for pesticides, you are seeing that they are not requiring animal tests and they're finding ways using quite complex um, computational modeling um, and the NAMs to generate the data that is, is good for protecting um, people and the environment and it's in the dossiers. So that's the step change then that we need to see um, in Europe uh, in the coming years. Well, then the EU can draw inspiration from that example. Um, Julia, one question that um, was really on my mind is why is Unilever supporting this ECI? And because you are... Um, corporate business and you are teaming up with lots of animal protection NGOs. So what's in it for Unilever? <laughs> yeah, um, it's quite an interesting story around um, sort of Unilever's um, history in, in this area. Um, we have um, brands which are certified as cruelty free. Um, uh, our big brand um, is Dove in that space and to some extent we saw that with the changes um, that were coming and potentially cosmetics ingredients carrying on being um, tested that actually those cruelty-free um, schemes would be under threat. Um, we are in a position and, and have been for quite some years now that we do not require um, animal testing to assess the safety of products and their ingredients so we use the science We've invested for many years in the new scientific approaches uh, and don't believe then that, you know, animal testing is necessary and certainly don't believe that animal testing of existing ingredients that have been used safely uh, across a wide range of consumer products for many years is, is necessary. So we um, internally um, initiated a bit of a discussion around how would we protect the cosmetics uh, testing bans that were in place. And we took inspiration from the campaigns that had happened to actually put the bans in place in the first time during the 1990s. Um, so a lot of that was led um, by the body shop in collaboration with Cruelty Free International. And so we had a discussion internally as to whether it would be possible to bring Dove and the body shop together and potentially bring PETA and Cruelty Free International together as the two um, NGOs that certified our brands to see whether or not we could think of a way to engage consumers again um, to try to protect the ban that were in place. And so on the back of that, um, we learned quite a bit then about um, the European Citizens Initiative from the NGOs and obviously Eurogroup for Animals, uh, Humane Society International, um, and the European Coalition to End Animal Experiments also have joined together. So we have uh, quite a unique collaboration across a couple of brands and five um, big NGOs representing probably maybe 100 or so NGOs across Europe, all working together with the same cause. Um, and that's a bit special. And it sort of comes from the fact that the Dove um, Communications Director for Dowis and myself 
are both a bit activist at heart um, and certainly do not want to see us going backwards 15 years when we've got so many other things that we need to be tackling. And those are the two other elements of the of the ECI, the whole thing around chemical safety assessment without animal testing and the much broader agenda, um, which is you know the broader animal testing and experimentation piece. Yeah, because I can imagine this goes beyond your CSR policy, uh, I guess. This is also about investments you made as a company. Yes. So um, when I joined Unilever, um, I would say animal testing did fit more under um, corporate social responsibility. Um, but then scientifically, um, it never has, because I think we've always seen it as a bit of a scientific challenge um, to see what boundaries we could push and whether we could change the paradigm. But I tell you, the real thing that changed things from corporate social responsibility to it being about new modern safety science was actually um, the um, discussions that happened leading up to putting the cosmetics testing ban in place in the first place. So in 2003, when we knew we would be faced with deadlines in 2009 and 2013, that's when um, senior leadership and, and greater investment happened in the science. And that's when we started to totally rethink the paradigm we were using for safety assessment. So whilst as a scientist at the time, I didn't particularly appreciate uh, policy decisions, which seemed to be disconnected from the status of the science. Um, now I'm a bit older and wiser, maybe. Um, I reflect back and think, actually, it is the policy decisions that stimulate and drive the change. And they stimulate scientists to rethink um, what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, well, I believe that's even stronger because you're really incorporated um, the non-animal science within your your, your business model. Um, and now we have a big challenge ahead of us because uh, we want also to break a record and uh, collect the 1 million signatures within a very short time. Um, and um, then, you know, we hope to complete the ECI um, within a year, uh, uh, of course. Uh, what would be your message for the responsible commissioners, uh, Jarova and Sinkevicius, uh, Julia, because they will have to react uh, to the ECI in, in the end. What would you like them to say? Yeah, I, I, there's, a, there's a few things here um, that I, I'd probably just like um, commissioners to think through. I mean, firstly, that most EU citizens don't want to be buying consumer products that are associated with animal testing. Um, I also think that, you know, there's been many decades of research and innovation, actually over 1 billion euros investment in the EU in the last 20 years by the Commission and by companies. And the fact that we now have the scientific knowledge, the non-animal toolbox that actually enables us to improve the safety of chemicals uh, by using novel non-animal approaches. So that that's a, a key bit around um, where consumers and citizens are and where the science is. But I would also like to make a plea that we move quite urgently. Um, I think the Commission uh, should agree to suspend any further animal testing of cosmetics ingredients and should actually reevaluate what's being asked of companies by ECHA. Because I do think that the Commission needs to be able to demonstrate to EU citizens how killing hundreds of thousands more animals to test cosmetics ingredients would actually afford any better protection of workers or our environment. And, and actually explain why they don't think that we should be using the modern non-animal safety science that we've got. 
Um, I don't think um, really I'd want to be in a position where um, we were betraying the trust of consumers. Um, so this whole thing about upholding the cosmetics testing ban, um, pausing the tests, putting in place an effective mechanism for dialogue actually between the registrants and ECHA administrators so that we can, can discuss the NAT strategies for specific ingredients. So a bit like the US EPA model, I think that would be quite important. Uh, but also I think um, the ECHA leadership needs to probably elevate the importance of, of applying new safety science and, and the novel approach methodologies. Uh, so putting that as a priority, putting some targets in for ending animal testing for assuring chemical safety, um, those would be good moves. But above all, I do really think that thing I was, I was talking about around rethinking what we're doing and why. So as we've got the opportunity under the European Green Deal, and we've got the chemical strategy for sustainability, it is a good time to think about how we change mindsets to allow us to move forwards, to, to use the good animal-free science, uh, for it to be about innovation and going forwards rather than going backwards. And, and above all, probably, that future generations um, need to see leaders take accountability for doing the right thing. Uh, the EU can realise its ambitions for sustainable growth, uh, for safe and sustainable chemicals, but it can do so without millions of animals being used in experiments. Thank you so much, uh, Julian. Thank you for your leadership uh, on this uh, ECI uh, uh, Safe Cruelty-Free Cosmetics. Uh, we really hope it will give the debate a big push and will eventually, uh, of course, deliver on all these important asks. Thanks so much, and I'm sure we stay in touch. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. And if you would like to support this European Citizens Initiative, to help save cruelty-free cosmetics, as well as driving animal-free science, please add your name. You can find the link on our website, eurogroupforanimals.org. And we hope to achieve 1 million signatures to ensure humane, human-relevant, animal-free science becomes the norm in Europe. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for listening to Animals in Europe. You can find our podcast catalog on our website, eurogroupforanimals.org. You can also subscribe to the Animals in Europe podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Join us next time as we build together a Europe that cares for animals.